Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. It's the Valley. Scott and... Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Gene pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yes. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in this profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself and asking <laughs> if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. You know what that theme song means. It is almost March in this case. Tomorrow is the first day of March, which means March Madness is fast approaching. Hopefully we have it this year, because last year when I played that song, March Madness obviously did not happen because of the pandemic. But we have made it. The college basketball season is coming to a close. Arch Madness is just around the corner. It'll be coming up next week in St. Louis. Got a very Missouri Valley heavy show for you today on the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. Great to be back with you for another week here. The weather's getting better, which means spring is approaching. But first, we have a lot of college basketball coming up in the next month. And there's a lot to talk about last night because I'm talking Valley all show today. Feel free to chime in on the conversation on Twitter at Nick Schultz underscore seven because I can't take calls, which kind of sucks on days like this especially when this is Loyola Student Station. So we have to talk about the fact that the Ramblers won their third Missouri Valley title in the last four years. They had never won one before 2018, and here they are, three in the last four. And an exciting game last night against Southern Illinois. It took overtime, but the Ramblers came out on top 65-58 to to beat the Southern Illinois Salukis at Gentile Arena. And then the Ramblers got a much-needed assist from the Bradley Braves, who defeated the Drake Bulldogs at Carver Arena, giving Loyola the number one seed at Arch Madness next week. Very exciting stuff in Rogers Park. I have a lot to get to in terms of my All-Valley predictions, my Arch Madness predictions, where everyone goes from here. But let's run you through the final standings in the Missouri Valley this year. As I said, number one seed will be Loyola. Number two seed, Drake. Number three seed, Missouri State. Number four, Indiana State. Number five, Evansville. Didn't think you'd be saying that in November, did you? Number six, Valparaiso. Number seven, Northern Iowa. Also didn't think you'd be saying that in November. Number eight, Bradley. Number nine, Southern Illinois. And number 10, Illinois State. 
That is all coming up this weekend. That is March 4th through 7th in St. Louis at the Enterprise Center. I will be covering that game. I am credentialed. However, I am working from home, working remotely, but still bringing you some great content over at my blog at Off the Inbound. And we'll have a fun Championship Sunday preview show next Sunday. This is the first time I've been able to go live on Championship Sunday, so I'm really looking forward to that. And who knows what's going to happen in St. Louis. Last year's tournament was the craziest tournament in history, in the 30-year history of the tournament. It was absolutely insane, number one and number two seeds, losing on Friday night, Bradley repeating as champions. And then, as we know, not even a week after Championship Sunday, the whole world shut down. That's how fast everything happened. I remember being shoulder-to-shoulder with all my reporter friends down on press row and going out to going hanging out with them and being in the media room and hanging out in our hotel, no masks, no nothing. And then a week later, moving back home for what I thought was going to be maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. Here we are. We're coming up on a full year. But you know what? All the credit in the world to the Missouri Valley. They got every game in this year. They did not lose a game. Every game got played. Everybody played all 18 games. I want to say I read this from Ryan Davis, one of the associate commissioners of the Valley. The Valley was the only conference in Division I to have played all of its games. They did not lose a game due to COVID-19. So all the credit in the world to the schools, to the commissioner's office, to everybody in the Missouri Valley, that is quite an accomplishment in this COVID year, especially, I say that again, the only conference to pull it off. That's very impressive. Let's talk Ramblers because we've got a lot to get to with Loyola. As I said, 65-58 win over Southern Illinois last night. Third title in four years for Porter Moser's group. And I put this out on Twitter, and it's kind of doing numbers. Uh, Feel free to check that out at NickSchultz underscore 7. Cameron Crutwig and Lucas Williamson arrived at Loyola as freshmen in 2017. So 2017-2018 season, the final four season, was their freshman year. Here are their regular season finishes in their four years at Loyola. 17-18, first. 18-19, tied for first. 19-20, second. And 20-21, first. That is incredibly impressive, and I have a very strong feeling that number one and number 25 will hang at Genteel Arena At some point, I think those numbers are going to live on in Rambler history because that doesn't happen every day, especially in Chicago. I remember my freshman year, 2016-2017, went down to Arch Madness to cover the tournament for the Loyola Phoenix and the Rambler Sports Locker. It was the highest seed Loyola had ever been in the Valley Tournament, and it was the first time they hadn't played on Thursday. That highest seed was fifth. They were the fifth seed. It was the highest seed they'd been. They joined the league in 2013. They'd always played on Thursday. My freshman year was the first time they played on Friday. They lost to Southern Illinois. It was their second time playing the Salukis in a week. I'll never forget it. Sean O'Brien had a great game for Southern Illinois. And after the game in the press conference, Porter Moser said, the future is bright. We've got to look at the future. And... I just told you what the future had. First place finished 2017-2018. Tied for first place in 2018-2019. Second place in 2019-2020. And first place in 2020-2021. 
let's look at the metrics too, because the metrics look really nice. As of 10.45 this morning, I checked it just before I went on the air to be sure. Loyola, number 11 in the Ken Palm rankings. Number 16 in the net. That's actually down from 12. So they dropped in the net, but they are still number 11 in Ken Palm. And the eternal question that we have been asking every week, and I feel like I keep giving a different answer every week, I have locked in on an answer to this question. Did Loyola lock up an NCAA tournament bid by securing the number one seed at Arch Madness? I'll keep it short. Yes. I think Loyola has locked up a number one seed to March Madness because they won the league and they're the number one seed. And I want to say Joe Lenardi says that too. I have not seen Joe's latest bracketology. I was actually working. I worked all weekend at the bar, got called in last minute. So I was hearing bits and pieces of when Joe Lenardi was on the broadcast toward the beginning of the Loyola game yesterday. But from what I gather, they should, and the, the operative word here is should, be in the tournament, win or lose, in St. Louis. And as they should be, they're the 21st ranked team in the country. I have a feeling they will stay at 21. Granted, there's going to be a lot of things happening with the rankings. It was a crazy day. I don't know if anyone saw, but Baylor lost last night. Number two, Baylor. They lost. Wisconsin lost to Illinois. Maybe Loyola will move up, maybe to number 20. We'll see. That drops tomorrow, Monday. Probably around 11 o'clock is when the AP poll will drop. So stay tuned for that because I have a strong feeling that Loyola is going to stay in the rankings. So they will head into Arch Madness with the number one seed and ranked in the AP poll. I want to hear a convincing argument as to why the Ramblers should not be in the NCAA tournament if they lose at Arch Madness because they've got the top defense in the country. They, again, are number 11 in Ken Palm. High-octane offense. They've got the respect. 16-2 in league play. One of those losses was in overtime to the number two seed, Drake. I really want to hear a convincing argument as to why the Loyola Ramblers should not be in the NCAA tournament. And I will, I'll wait. Like, if someone wants to give me one, like, slide into my DMs, slide into my Twitter mentions. I really, I really and truly want to hear what you think it would take for Loyola to miss March Madness, because I think they should be in. I have been against the idea of a two-bid valley because I have been scarred by Illinois State snub in 2017. That still haunts me when I talk about a two-bid valley, especially because the valley doesn't have Wichita State anymore. It doesn't have Creighton anymore. Now you have a ranked team as your number one seed. Going into the conference tournament, they are ranked. I think if if Loyola loses in St. Louis, they get an at-large bid. If Loyola wins it, it gets more complicated. If Loyola would beat Drake in the Arch Madness title game, maybe we could see a two-bid league. I want to see if Joe Lenardi put out anything today. Here he is. Here's his latest bracketology. This was 11 hours ago. He put this out. Last four buys, Connecticut, BCU, Boise State, and Drake. So Drake would still get one of the buys in the tournament. Last four in, Colorado State, Seton Hall, Michigan State, Georgia Tech. Michigan State is one of the last four in. Oh, and just 
to laugh at them again. I want to remind you that Duke is on the first four out, just so we can all laugh at that. But Drake, according to Joe Lenardi, ESPN's bracketologist, Drake would have a one of the four buys. So they wouldn't be one of the last four in. So that's what Joe Lenardi is projecting. Now, even with Drake's lost, and he has in his headline here, Boise State and Drake have put themselves in a tenuous position as February draws to a close. Yeah, it's... The Bulldogs are going to need a good performance in St. Louis, and they're going to be without Roman Penn. Roman Penn is out for the year with an injury. I'm not sure what the timeline is for Tank Hemphill to come back. I know there was rumor that he was done for the year, but then I thought I saw from the Des Moines Register that he could come back for Arch Madness. That would be a huge boost for Drake, seeing as though the Bulldogs lost to a shorthanded Bradley team last night. At Carver Arena, the final score of that one was 67-61. to That was a big win for Bradley. And I'll have more on Bradley in a little bit. But Drake has been... They've been kind of flirting with one of those losses lately because they've been, again, they've been without Tank Hemphill. They're now without Roman Penn. So Darnell Brody is the go-to guy. And he's been... Uh, I talked about this a couple weeks ago with Kevin Sweeney during the Loyola series when Loyola and Drake played. I said to Kevin that Darnell Brody needed to stay out of foul trouble in order for Drake to be competitive. What has he done since then? He has stayed out of foul trouble, and Drake has lost one game, and that one game was last night. So if the Bulldogs can get Tank Hemphill back, maybe it'll take a little bit of the stress off Brody, but they are still going to be without Roman Penn. And I'm very curious to see what Bulldogs teams we get in St. Louis. Now, the season is over, so we can actually talk about this stuff. Let's talk about the All-Valley Awards. Because I have my predictions here. It's weird not having a vote this year. It's the first time in four years I haven't had a vote for All-Missouri Valley Awards. But here's what I have. First team was pretty easy to put together. Roman Penn, Tyreek Key, Isaiah Mosley, Gage Prim, and Cameron Crutwig. And Crutwig will be your player of the year. That's my prediction. I feel like I've been predicting that now for three years because I have. But I think this year it's finally going to happen. Crutwig will be your player of the year. My prediction for freshman of the year is bold. It's a team playing on Thursday. I think it's going to be ranked mast at Bradley. Defensive player of the year, Lucas Williamson. I have been beating that drum all year that he deserves it. He's going, to be just, he's going to be just like his mentor before him, Ben Richardson, who won Defensive Player of the Year his senior year. Lucas, I think, will win Defensive Player of the Year his senior year. Newcomer of the Year, I'm putting Tank Hemphill on here, even though he missed the last little bit of the season. I still would think Shaquan Hemphill would be your Newcomer of the Year and Coach of the Year. Sorry, Porter Moser, I'm going with Darren DeVries. Drake was picked eighth in the preseason poll and lost three Valley games. And they are the number two seed in St. Louis. So all respect to Porter Moser. He did a great job with Loyola this year. But I think Darren DeVries shocked the country. And therefore, he will be your 2021 MVC Coach of the Year. That'll be his second time winning the award. Sixth Man of the Year, I put a question mark because the way I always voted for Sixth Man of the Year was who was presented in front of me. 
what were the names that the Missouri Valley listed in front of me because I cannot keep up with who the sixth man of each team is. So I put a question mark there. I will listen for candidates on that. But that's my All-Valley predictions. I, I think the big ones, obviously, Crutwig, Player of the Year, Rinkmast, Freshman of the Year, Lucas Williamson, Defensive Player of the Year, Shanquan Hemphill, Newcomer of the Year, and Darren DeVries as Coach of the Year. These aren't All-Valley awards, but we got to talk about the biggest surprises in the league this year. How about the Evansville Purple Aces? Picked to finish last in the preseason poll, I, along with multiple others, did not think they would win a single Valley game this year. The number five seeded Purple Aces will take on Indiana State in St. Louis Friday, March 5th at 2 p.m. So not only did they finish higher than anybody predicted, they're avoiding Thursday with room to spare. Because the sixth seed is the one where you're on the border there. So they are the fifth seed. In St. Louis. If Darren DeVries doesn't win Coach of the Year, I think Todd Licklider has to be in conversation for Coach of the Year. I think those are year two candidates. Because Evansville was that was such a surprise this year. The other surprise that so that I the way I'm working this is I had a good surprise and I had a bad surprise. The bad surprise was Bradley. And I could say Northern Iowa, but Northern Iowa got dealt a bad hand with the injuries, specifically when A.J. Green hurt his hip. That was huge. But I think Bradley is the bad surprise because if think back. During, during the season, all through the season, I kept telling you I have my three tiers of the Missouri Valley. I divided the 10 teams into three groups. The last group was Illinois State. Just on their own. They were. I, fig- I figured they finished 10th. They did finish 10th. My top tier, one through three, was some combination of Loyola, Drake, and Bradley. And then four through nine was everybody else. As the season went on and the Braves started to struggle, I backed off that and threw Bradley into the other tier and kept Loyola and Drake on their own. Hey, by the way, that's exactly what happened. Loyola and Drake were 1 and 2. Illinois State was 10. Everybody else was 3 through 9. So once I amended it, I was right. But Bradley, that's a, I'll say, an interesting situation down there. It also doesn't help that Deshaun Henry went down with an injury last night against Drake. Yeah, they won without Deshaun Henry. Who he got hurt? I want to be before I get into this because that was something I talked about a couple weeks ago. Was the situation at Bradley? So Deshaun Henry went down last night with an injury. That's why he didn't play. The other players that were out: Donya Kingsby, Terry Nolan Jr., and Elijah Childs. They are still suspended due to the ongoing investigation surrounding the situation in Springfield, Missouri. They were named in a police report in Springfield, Missouri. You can read more from my buddy Wyatt Wheeler reported that for the Springfield News Leader. He can tell you what it is. I, w- I worry when I get into this stuff to make sure I get it all right, even though I can pull it up in front of me. Definitely read that to find out more on the situation at Bradley. If you missed it, 
But Elijah Childs, Donnie Kingsby, Terry Nolan Jr. were named in a police report and are suspended indefinitely while it's being investigated. Deshaun Henry was named in it, but he was cleared. So he was able to play. He was His suspension was lifted. He was cleared in the investigation. But he went down with an injury last night, and I have not heard anything on the severity of his injury. Probably get more updates from Dave Aminion at the Peoria Journal-Star and Larry Larson at the Bradley Scout for more on that this week. But Bradley was the, of the two, if you had to pick like the biggest surprise, I'm not, I'm not talking good or bad, I'm talking strictly the surprise of the year, Bradley being the eight seed was not anything anyone expected, especially with how they did in non-conference. I mean, that non-conference schedule, I was out here saying maybe Bradley could be in contention for an at-large because they had the ball bounces a different way in a couple of those games. They lose maybe one non-conference game. But they get into Valley play, they struggle, and then the incident in Springfield happened, and now the Braves will be the 8th seed, playing the number 9 seed at Southern Illinois, Salukis, Thursday of Arch Madness, that game. Will tip off at 5 p.m. It's a new schedule at Arch Madness this year. It's taking some getting used to for me, who got really into a routine with how these games were going, at least the schedule of games. So here's what we have Thursday, games are at 5 p.m., 8 p.m., all time central. Friday, 11 a.m., it used to be a noon game, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., 5 p.m., 8 p.m., Saturday, noon, and 3. And Sunday, 1 o'clock championship game. The only game that stayed in the same time slot from the COVID schedule that we have here is the championship game. So let me run that by you again. It's also on the Missouri Valley website. The full bracket is 5-8 and eight Thursday, 11-2-5-8 Friday, 12-3 on Saturday, and 1 on Sunday. Championship game will be on CBS, CBS National. Usually Kevin Harlan calls that game. Yeah, I want to say Kevin Harlan will be on the call for that one. I've not heard anything to the contrary. But that's your Arch Madness schedule. That's your bracket as well. Day one, Bradley will take on Southern Illinois at 5 p.m. Winner gets Loyola. Number seven, Northern Iowa takes on number 10 seed Illinois State. Winner gets Drake. And then four and five seed game is Indiana State versus number five Evansville. And your three and six game is number three Missouri State versus number six Valparaiso. It's going to be a crazy tournament. I have a lot of plans for coverage that I'm formulating right now. Because, again, I'm covering from home. It's going to be really different covering it from home. But I'm looking forward to it. And as I said at the top of the show, we'll have a championship Sunday preview show coming up that Sunday of Arch Madness. That is Sunday the 7th. Stay tuned for more information on that. I'm going to get creative with it because I cannot have live guests on the show. That's why whenever I have a guest on, these inter- the interviews are all pre-recorded. I record them on Saturdays. So stay tuned for more updates for that. I'm going to be doing a lot of planning. My notebook is going to be filled this week. I'm really, really excited. We're going to be doing a lot of coverage on Twitter for the live show here and so much more. So I'm super excited for this weekend because it's always my favorite weekend of the year. I mean, it is without a doubt, my it was my, my favorite weekend in college because it'd be 
a group of us, we'd go down to Arch Madness for the weekend. We'd get the hotel, and we'd be able to do what, basically whatever we wanted between games, like when we weren't working, obviously. When we weren't working, we could go explore the city. Like the year of the Final Four, we all went to the Arch, and everybody went up in the Arch. I stayed down because I'm afraid of small spaces and heights. So I stayed down, went to Starbucks, called my mom. And last year, when Loyola lost, we kind of toned down our coverage because we didn't expect Loyola to lose. So some of them went to the City Museum, and a couple of us went to we went to Starbucks, got a coffee, and we heard some yelling and chanting. And we turned the corner, and there was a a rally going on for a presidential candidate. And we turned to our left, and there was the president, the current president of the United States, Joe Biden, next to us. So you never know what you were going to get in St. Louis. That's why it's going to be very, very weird. Covering it from my home, I'll primarily be probably in my garage in Dwight, Illinois, which is about three hours north of St. Louis. So it's going to be very different, but nonetheless, it's going to be a great weekend. I'm hoping they get all these games in. You always worry in this COVID world that something could happen, but so far, things are looking good for a great weekend in St. Louis. And as I said, I think Loyola's locked into a March Madness appearance. I think they pretty much solidified that. If they'd have been the number two seed, I think we'd be having a different conversation here. But I think Loyola should get an at-large bid should the Ramblers lose in St. Louis. I don't know if they've even got odds yet on who's going to win this weekend. But I really do think Loyola locked up an at-large bid, and Joe Lenardi seems to think so too. Drake, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Especially, it, it all. I think a lot of it depends on if they get Shenquan Hemphill back. If Tank Hemphill comes back into the rotation from his injury, and he's fully healthy, Drake could make some noise. Because they're without Roman Penn, which is huge. Absolutely huge. Like the best point guard in the Valley level. Huge. So maybe Drake could make some noise. Don't sleep on Missouri State, though. Missouri State put together a pretty good year this year. Again, they're the number three seed. I put Isaiah Mosley in my first team if I had a vote this year. My prediction is he'll be first team all league. And Gage Prim is just a force. Yeah, I've got Prim in there too. Prim is an absolute force down low. So do not sleep on Missouri State. If a Drake-Missouri State matchup on Friday night, or I'm sorry, on Saturday night, would be must-see TV. And again, I say Saturday night. That game's at 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. So that could be appointment viewing. A potential Drake-Missouri State game. But as I said, it's going to be awesome this weekend. And I think they're allowing fans, too. I did see something about ticket sales. I'm not sure how many tickets they're being... They're selling, but I believe there will be fans down at Enterprise Center this weekend. All right, where let's stay on the Loyola angle because I'm coming at this from a Loyola angle because this is Loyola Student Station. Where do the Ramblers go from here? I got this question last night. I wasn't quite sure how to answer it. My buddy Nick Fry tweeted at me, okay, do Crutwick and Williamson come back next year? This was after I tweeted about their finishes in the Missouri Valley standings. He said, any word whether they take advantage of the free year and come back next season? I'm not sure. 
I think it's a little early to tell because Crutwig was on 670 to score with Mully and Haw a couple weeks ago, which was a, it was an awesome interview. I believe I, I, I think I plugged it on the air too. Go find the podcast of it. That was great radio. One of the last questions that Mully and David Haw asked Crutwig was about next year. And he didn't really answer it, which was kind of to be expected. The season was still going. I've been saying all along, we're not going to hear many, if not any, answers on that question until after the season is completely over. And I'm talking like last game of the season, whether it be at Arch Madness or at March Madness, is done and in the books. I think that's when you'll get more clarity on stuff because if – I know, especially from covering Porter Moser for four years, how did he always put it? A laser-like focus and tunnel vision. They're not worried about it. They're going to, at least he'll say they're not worried about it. They're focused on the task at hand. They're focused on the next game. But it is something to think about. Like yesterday was senior day at Loyola. And Crutwig, Williamson, Tate Hall, Ahir Ugwak, they were all honored. Jake Boffman was in was in there too. So Jake Jake was with me. He was a freshman when I was a freshman. He got an extra year to throwing me off. But they all were honored at senior day yesterday. And the questions keep coming up. Okay, are they going to come back? We're not sure. I'm not sure. I have not heard anything. I'm not in the nitty-gritty. I'm not around the team every day like I used to be. So I'm really not sure what's going to happen, but it's definitely one of the biggest things to keep an eye on in terms of next year, especially for Loyola. Keith Clements was also honored yesterday. I knew I was forgetting a name. But now let's look at the starting lineup. Your starting lineup this year, at least toward the end, was Keith Clemens, senior, Lucas Williamson, senior, Ahir Uwak, senior, Cameron Crutwig, senior, and Braden Norris, redshirt sophomore. So four of your starting five were seniors, and Tate Hall came off the bench. He was the sixth man toward the end of the year. So that's also a senior. So you got five rotational pieces. Five key rotational pieces are seniors. If they come back, Loyola is going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. If none of them come back, it's a different story. I'll get to that after I hit this bottom of the hour station ID. You're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. I'm coming to you from my garage in Dwight, Illinois. If you want to chime in on the conversation, Shoot me a tweet at Nick Schultz underscore seven on Twitter because I cannot take calls. So we're doing this over Twitter. But as I was saying, the future for the Loyola Ramblers, it looks bright because you've got a guy in Marquise Kennedy. You can build around him. It was to the point yesterday against SIU, I saw fans on Twitter saying, get it to Marquise. Get it to Marquise. I think Braden Norris is going to be a really good player for Porter Moser going forward. He played the most minutes once again yesterday against Southern Illinois. He played 42 minutes in that game. Keep in mind, there are 45 minutes in a college basketball game. He played 42 of them. So I think Marquise and Braden Norris are locks for the starting lineup next year. I also really liked what I saw out of Jacob Hudson during that first game against Southern Illinois when Crutwig went down with cramps. Now, again, I throw, I throw this disclaimer out there. I was working during this game. 
So we had the game on TV because they willingly put the Loyola game on in the bar, which four years ago they never would have done. And I saw Crutwig go down with an injury, and I, was, I thought I feared the worst. Turned out it was just a cramp. But Jacob Hudson came in, and he put in some good minutes. I want to Let me pull up that box score from the other day because he impressed me with how he handled himself in really his first meaningful Valley game, his first meaningful Valley minutes. Jacob Hudson, in five huge minutes against Southern Illinois on, what was that, Friday night? Two of two shooting for four points. He had an assist. Good minutes. And he looked he looked really calm, cool, and collected on the court. I really like Jacob Hudson as a player. I said that when they signed him, once they made the signing official, of course. I said that when he committed. I think he is going to be, like, you always worry. And I, I heard that the first time I heard this on a broadcast, I said this at the time it happened. In 2016-2017, Loyola needed a big man. You could tell. You could tell they needed a big man. Yes, they had Andre Jackson down low. That was for a small ball lineup. I mean, I need. I was talking a true big man. Crutwig commits. I actually thought Christian Negron was going to be the big time commit for Loyola. That obviously didn't work out at Loyola. Christian had some injuries. He's doing great at Grand Valley State, by the way. But Crutwig came in during that final four year, and you could tell as soon as he jumped in that starting lineup, they were a different team. They were putting it all together. They were running through him, which was very weird to see. At the time, you, you didn't see a lot of passing big men before then. Now, Crutwig's leaving. At least we, I'm talking, I'm planning as if, Crutwig is not coming back. I do not have any insight on this. I'm throwing this disclaimer out there. I'm purely talking hypothetically if, if these seniors do not take the extra year of eligibility. Crutwig leaves. Hudson's going to fit in just fine. Especially with the extra year that they get. I really like from what I see from Jacob Hudson. He's a seven-footer who can shoot. You got a big man who can shoot. All the respect in the world to Cameron Crutwig. I have said all along, his kryptonite, his weak spot, is a jump shot. He doesn't have much range on that jumper. Jacob Hudson has range. He can shoot the three. He doesn't just have mid-range. He can shoot the three. If Porter Moser can tailor his offense to that, which, oh, he absolutely can. He There is no doubt. Are you kidding? Throw another shooter out there? Absolutely. Jacob Hudson's going to be fun to watch. The other name to watch in the starting lineup is Tom Welch. Talk about a guy who took a leap this year. I was hoping he would. Last year, he didn't play a whole lot. This year, I really liked what I saw from Tom Welch. He's another one. He can shoot the three. The other day against Southern Illinois, he took three shots. All of them from downtown. I think he's going to be another piece going forward as well. So with the roster as is... This is barring any transfers coming in, and you've got a couple stud freshmen coming in. In your starting lineup, for sure, is Norris, Kennedy, Welch, and Hudson. I'm not sure about the fifth spot. Not sure what happens with the fifth spot in that lineup. Maybe it could be, 
I've been asking for help on this for weeks now, and I need I need someone to come through for me here. Is it Ben Schweiger or Schweiger? He's coming in from the suburbs. He's going to be a freshman next year. Is it is it Schweiger or is it Schweiger? Someone, please give me a hand on this. I've been meaning to Google this since he committed, and I just keep forgetting to. Someone, please give me a hand on that. You've also got Ty Johnson coming in as a freshman. You have a couple other Ivy League transfers coming in as well, maybe. I think you have a couple Ivy League transfers coming in. They're changing some stuff around with their eligibility and whatnot. There are questions as to whether or not they will still transfer, I think. I think they will. But I think it's just with the rule change, everyone's like, okay, let's see what happens here. But I think those four are locked in the starting lineup for next year. Norris, Kennedy, Welch, and Hudson. Also, don't sleep on Baylor Hebb. He didn't play much this year, but I think he's going to be another Tom Welch in that he's not going to play a lot his freshman year, but he's going to open some eyes his sophomore year. I mean, he got some big minutes during Valley play. Don't sleep on Baylor Hebb. He's going to be a really good player going forward. Let's get to some DMs here from the Bishop himself, Jonah Blatt. Marquise was quietly loyal, the second or third most reliable scorer this season. Him at the two with Braden at the one next season would be chef's kiss. I wasn't going to try and do that because you have to see it. And I'm not streaming this with video yet. Do you think Braden would be at the one? Or would you put Kennedy at the one? Could Kennedy be a scorer first point guard? Or would you make him a shooting guard? Also, another message here. Also, start Hudson at the five, make Thomas stretch four. Yes, absolutely. You could have a lineup out there. If if you've got Norris, Kennedy, Welch, and Hudson, those are four really good shooters out there. Then, if you can, if we bring in one of these, throw a freshman in the starting lineup, bring in one of these Ivy League transfers into the starting lineup, get a little defense, like you had... Lucas Williamson anchoring the defense this year from the three spot. Bringing a guy like that, you're set. But either way, I think I think the future is bright, to say the least, for Loyola. I mean, even with losing guys like Krutwig and Williamson, I'm, again, not sure if they're coming back. Obviously, you hope they do, just because they're so damn fun to watch. But let's say they don't come back and Clemens doesn't come back and Ugwak doesn't come back and Hall doesn't come back. I think Loyola's going to be in a pretty good place. It's funny that I mentioned this because last year, last September, September of 2019, I wrote a piece for the Loyola Phoenix about the future after this season. And you know how much I love to pat myself on the back. I said, I wrote at the time, this is September 10th of 2019. I wrote, except 2019 to 2020 shouldn't just set up 2020-21 as March Madness or bust, which is basically what it was. It could set up the next five years, and here's where a game of Connect the Dots begins, because that's, that's what I wrote. And the four years after this year, I still say the class of Paxton Wojcik, Tom Welch, Marquise Kennedy, 
is Porter Moser's best. Maybe this incoming class could topple that. We'll see. Plus, you've got a guy like Baylor Hebb in there. And you've got, and this wasn't in the column, but you've got Jacob Hudson now. Plus, if you make the NCAA tournament this year, which I think they will, Porter Moser was a good recruiter to begin with. Even when Loyola wasn't that great, you heard about Porter Moser's recruiting ability. Look at Milton Doyle. Look at Dante Ingram. Look at Clayton Custer. If you make another NCAA tournament this year, Porter has something else to use to his advantage in recruiting, and I think it would work out really well. But the big question this is the big this is the big one, and I saved it for last in that column for a reason. Loyola needs to keep Porter Moser around. Now I do know that they gave him a nice little raise after the final four that was reported in the Loyola Phoenix. You gotta keep Porter in Rogers Park to sustain the success. And I'm not sure how easy that'd be, especially if Loyola makes the NCAA tournament again. I think Porter is going to be a highly sought-out candidate. I've heard his name rumored already just in the names-you-have-to-call list for the Boston College job. Depending on how long Dave Lato's at DePaul, which I'm going to just guess with no insight at all that that time could be up. You have to watch a DePaul job. If Chris Collins, something happens at Northwestern, they've got a new AD coming in. Maybe they want their own guy. Watch Northwestern. You're going to be hearing the Porter Moser coaching carousel. You're, it's going to be amplified. You're, I expect more. I expect more days like the day in 2018 after the Final Four, when Porter was in the running and seriously considering an offer to take over at St. John's. I expect more days like that. The Bishop chimes in again. If they make the tourney again, like you said, they probably will. Porter needs to really start building that wall around Chicago a la Miami in the 80s. Oh, if they make the tournament again, if I'm a top-tier recruit in Chicago, or let, let me let me rephrase that a little bit. If I'm a college basketball or a high school basketball player in Chicago, wanting to go play at college, but don't necessarily want to go to like a blue blood school. If, if I put up high numbers, but might not cut it at, say, Duke, North Carolina, when they're good at least, Kansas, first place I look is Rogers Park. Maybe it's because I'm a homebody. I mean, I stay close to home for school for a reason. But I absolutely think Loyola is a destination now. I mean, they were after the Final Four, but especially now. Number 21 in the country. Number 11 in Kenpom. Number 16 in the net. Even though it's down four spots, it's still. Number 16 in the net. Loyola is a destination. And someone brought this up to Porter. Was I think it was a post-game interview that... Loyola's getting respect now, and maybe the Final Four has something to do with it. 
And I think that has some validity. I think the Final Four in 2018 helped start some respect being put on Loyola's name. I think Loyola earned respect during that NCAA tournament, and now 16-2 and in the league, top defense in the country, they're 21 in the AP poll. Now, I'm not saying they wouldn't be ranked because, I mean, you heard the metrics and Ken Palm and Nett are basically, they're supposed to be very similar. But even then, I mean, they play in the Valley, which is outside of Drake. It wasn't like a lights out year, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't what it was in 2018, 2019. That was a bad year for the Valley, man. That, that was a rough year. But yeah, I think some respect has absolutely been put on Loyola's name, and that's why recruits need to start looking at Rogers Park more than they already are. You've got a couple local guys staying home. Especially, at least in this upcoming recruiting class, you've got a couple couple local guys staying close. Maybe you can get more. But I go back to my main point. You have to keep Porter Moser in Rogers Park. He's come close a couple times. You've heard it. And it's it's out there that he turned down UNLV around the time he turned down St. John's. We'll see. All right, I've got 15 minutes left here. I've talked enough about the Missouri Valley. Well, actually, I haven't, but I have other stuff I want to talk about unless we want to circle back to this later on because spring training is here. There's baseball on TV today. The White Sox play at 2 o'clock on NBC Sports Chicago. There is baseball. It is so refreshing. This is the second year in a row that I have preempted baseball talk for Arch Madness because it's how it always lines up. But the White Sox play today against the Brewers at 2 o'clock on NBC Sports Chicago. And I honestly might turn on ESPN 1000 at 2 o'clock because I want to hear Len Casper as the voice of the White Sox. Even It's spring training. I get it. Spring training doesn't really matter. It's actually not that great to watch. But I want to hear Len Casper, voice of the White Sox, because he took his dream job. And I, I, might, I might tune in at least for the first half inning or something. But that's today at 2. Baseball is back. I'm so happy, and especially just because we went so long without it last year, having it back, and I wasn't sure if they'd have it this year because the union and the league were bickering back and forth about a new agreement. But we got baseball, and I had to address that. I Also, it has been a week. I'm just going to be honest. It's been a week. This week felt like it was about two or three weeks long. So I lost track of the time. This was, was it Tuesday? I want to say it was Tuesday when reports started coming out about Tiger Woods and his single car accident in California. I got to tell you, 
I grew up watching golf. Tiger was my guy. I mean, he's a big reason why I got into golf. My dad kind of indoctrinated me. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I he helped me fall in love with the game and he took he took me and my brother and my sister out to the course. And I the first name you think of is Tiger. You think of the fist pump and you know, I'd do that when I'd make a little double bogey putt. Now I can beat him on the golf course. He doesn't he doesn't want me to tell you that, but I, I can beat him on the golf course now. But growing up, we'd watch tournaments, and Tiger Woods was my guy. I mean, I, I loved Tiger Woods as a player. I know when the crap went down way back when, I kind of it kind of faded away a little bit. It's come back. I love Tiger Woods. Seeing that report, my heart sank. I instantly thought the worst. I'm like, oh no, like. The comparison, the easy comparison to make is Kobe Bryant. Like, very similar to that feeling. Like, oh, no, don't. Like, that. Not this isn't happening. When it came out that it was leg injuries and he's going to be okay. I'm glad he's going to be okay. I worry we'll never see him on the golf course again, which sucks. Because he was putting together a really solid second act. And that was that was tough. Hearing all of that, all the reports about Tiger Woods. I'm glad he's okay. I'm glad he's going to recover. But shout out to the guys on the PGA Tour today. I see a good number of them, and the one that came up on my Twitter timeline here is Rory McIlroy. The red shirt, the black hat, on Sunday. I hope Tiger does end up making that full recovery. It's going to be a long road. I hope we can see him out on the golf course again. It might, I'm guessing it might be maybe the Champions Tour or even just something for charity. I'd love to see him play again. And I'm glad he's going to be okay because that that was scary. That was scary. Seeing, the, seeing that report, I got the push notification Yeah, that, that was scary. But I that I should have started the show with that. I even planned to this week, and then this week happened. And it, I seriously, like, I saw a couple tweets about it, and it triggered it. I, it feels like it was two weeks ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to get that off my chest. Because I'm a golfer. I work at the golf course that we're a member at, and... I love the game. Tiger Woods is a big reason why I fell in love with the game. So seeing those reports, that was, like I said, my heart dropped. I'm glad he's going to be okay. The outpouring of support was amazing. And hopefully we can see him on the course sometime. Some Bulls news to get to today. I wasn't really going to talk about the Bulls much, but we had another COVID change to the schedule woke up this morning to find out that Sunday's Bulls Raptors game has been postponed and will be rescheduled for a later date that's from the Chicago Bulls the Raptors do not have the eight players necessary to play the game so as we sit here now at 11 51 11 52 a.m 
don't think there will be a Bulls game tonight. Granted, last time there was a COVID postponement, the Bulls went out and found a game with the Pistons. And that game they ended up coming back from like a 25-point deficit. But yeah, no Bulls game tonight due to COVID concerns with the Toronto Raptors. Next game for the Bulls. It's coming up here in a couple days, I think. It should be a packed, should be a packed week. Coming up to the All-Star break. Next game is tomorrow at home against the Nuggets. And Zach Levine, the All-Star that he is, will be back out on the court. And the All-Star game is coming up March 7th in Atlanta. Zach will be there. The first time All-Star Zach Levine. He's not competing in the dunk contest, but that's okay. He's going to be playing in the game, which is all that matters. Really happy that Zach's an All-Star. I've been beating that drum now for a year and a half. He should have been last year, and he wasn't. But Zach's an All-Star, and it really I talked about this on the Believe in Bulls podcast last Wednesday. Feel free to check it out, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Shameless plug here. I talked about this on that. It's amazing how far the Bulls have come in the last year. They have an all-star. They have a respected front office. They have a respected coach. They have a coach who knows what he's doing, a coach who doesn't use cliches in the press conference. I'm getting – sorry. I get on a roll talking about the change as the Bulls, as the Bulls head coach. But um, they, they've had they got a lot more respect around the league. Zach's getting the respect he deserves as a player. I really like Patrick Williams. Good for Zach. I'm really happy for Zach. And again, Bulls next game. They have two more games left in the first half of the schedule, by the way. It's Monday against the Nuggets. And then Wednesday they go to New Orleans to end the first half of the year. And then Zach will head to Atlanta for the All-Star game. Bulls will come back from the All-Star break and play the 76ers out of the gate. Nothing like getting thrown back into the deep end against Joel Embiid, who put up 50 against the Bulls the last time they played each other. And then they play the Miami Heat after that. But yeah, no Bulls game tonight. And go go watch some hockey, I guess. The Blackhawks play tonight. White Sox play this afternoon. Or just take the night off and watch the new episode of WandaVision, which dropped on Friday, which I will not drop any spoilers, but I will just say I'm hooked, and I'm really sad it's ending on Friday. But I've got a couple minutes left here. Again, if you're just joining the show had a lot of Missouri Valley talk to start. Actually, I spent 45 minutes on the Missouri Valley, which is a new personal record, I think. But yeah, the Loyola Ramblers, Missouri Valley champions, once again, third time in four years. It was weird seeing videos and pictures from Gentile Arena, and the only people that were there in the stands were family and friends. I think it was just family, which I'm really glad that Loyola allowed families to come to that game. But the last two times Loyola's cut down the nets, I was there both times. And I remember, I will, ne- I will never forget watching Porter Moser cut down the last part of the nets, the, the, the rest of the net, and getting the student section fired up about it. And pointing to them and saying, this is for you. It was all about the students. I cannot wait until we can get fans back in the stands. And reports are coming out. David Kaplan reported this week, NBC Sports Chicago and ESPN 1000's David Kaplan. City of Chicago is going to be allowing a few fans at baseball games on opening day, is what he's saying. 
That's the plan right now, barring any unforeseen changes. We could see fans at baseball games this summer. That's Hopefully that's a step closer to fans at college basketball games next season. Because watching college games without the student section, without the band, without the cheerleaders, without the dance team, without the fans in the stands, and it's that was weird. I did not like it. Because that's what makes college basketball great is the fans, the atmosphere. Cannot wait until the stands are packed once again. Because, I mean, I went to a couple games at Illinois State for the blog, went and covered a couple games down there. No fans is the weirdest thing in the world. Like, I feel like I felt like I had to whisper because I felt like they could hear everything. And trust me, you can hear everything because I, I heard what the coaches were saying in the huddles. <laughs> yeah, you, you can hear everything. Use your imagination, and you're probably right. But watching Loyola cut down the nets without the students there, that was weird. Like, really, really, really weird. Not a good weird. But third time in four years, they did cut down the nets. And again, it was a thrilling game over Southern Illinois. Final score, 65-58 to in overtime at Gentile Arena. And then Bradley defeated Drake, 67-61 at Carver Arena to give Loyola the number one seed at Arch Madness this coming weekend. That is coming up March 4th through 7th in St. Louis. I will be covering the entire tournament from my house in Dwight, Illinois. I am three hours away from St. Louis, and I will be covering it. I'll have posts on my blog. I'll have a lot of Twitter interaction keeping up with my theme this year of my periscopes. I'll have a few of those. We'll have a championship Sunday preview right here on WLUW. Sunday, March 7th at 11 a.m. We will be previewing the final game of Arch Madness. I am so excited to finally be able to go live during Arch Madness because we're usually down there. Usually we're down at Enterprise Center. And we never worked remote. Like, there was no way to work remote. So, usually, John Bialis would have one of his archives on here, or Radio's Golden Hour on here in the slot on Championship Sunday. And I had to come back then one week later, one week removed, and recap the entire tournament and that game. Now, I can be with you that morning, and we'll have a lot of fun. Hoping to have some good guests. This week on the Periscopes, maybe I'll have a good guest on next week's show. I'm hoping to. And then a week from, so two weeks from right now, Selection Sunday. Selection Sunday is two weeks from right now. And hopefully, hopefully, we're talking about the Loyola Ramblers in the NCAA tournament for the second time in four years. I think that'll happen, win or lose in St. Louis, but hopefully we're talking a lot of Loyola basketball, a lot of NCAA tournament basketball coming up in the next few weeks. This is, this is my favorite time of year. You've got spring training today. There's baseball on TV today. You've got the NBA in full swing. Usually the NBA is like in the home stretch. No, they are in full swing right now. You've got the NHL in full swing right now. You've got college hoops. Right now you've even got some college football on TV. You've got the Masters coming up in April, which, I, oh, I love Masters weekend. They're seeing the commercials. Masters weekend is coming up. It is a great time to be a sports fan. And especially if you're a Loyola fan right now and you're a fan of these of the other sports, you're having a lot of fun right now. 
and we'll have a lot of fun this week with Arch Madness and a lot of fun next weekend next weekend for the Championship Sunday preview show. I am out of time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, tune in to the Believe in Bulls podcast on Wednesday on the Believe Podcast Network. That drops every Wednesday. Please download and subscribe. I would really, really appreciate it. Please review, too. I read them all, I promise. Until next week, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. Looking forward to talking with you on Twitter during the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament this week. Have a great week, everybody.